everybody, welcome to another episode of Cleaning and Cocktails. You guys know what the show is about. It's about empowering the cleaning community. It's about bringing on industry professionals to, to talk about cleaning, right? Over some cocktails as well. But today I have the pleasure of bringing on cleaning business owners that are my friends, my colleagues. We're part of the same mastermind group. We've grown to know each other for, for over the last few years. Uh, and, and we're going to talk about mergers and acquisitions, you guys, because this is a real life scenario of that happening uh, in the cleaning industry. So for, for, for many of our audience that doesn't know a lot about mergers and acquisitions, this is going to be super exciting uh, because we don't really get to talk about this kind of stuff, you guys. So I want to have some fun. Uh, you guys know that the, the show is just about shared experiences, talking about journeys and how we can help one another in this, what many people think is a boring and unglamorous industry. Uh, we, we make it fun. We make it sexy. We make it, you know, enjoying enjoyable so without further more i've got three gentlemen on this call here with me it's the first time i do three screens everybody so bear with us here i got jerry flug i got blake and i got Corey from on point building services i'm going to let them take over uh, but these guys are out of southeast virginia uh they're again like i said they're friends man we're part of the same mastermind group so i've, I've seen this come to fruition so i'm super excited to share their journey and i will start with you jerry first why don't you, uh, and we'll get into the company itself, but I, vice versa to what I just told you guys, how the format was going to look like. I changed it up right, right off the bat. Uh, let's, Jerry, let's talk about uh, Jerry Flood. Let's talk about Jerry, how you got into the cleaning industry, how you met Blake, Corey. How, how, we'll lead up to how this happened, but I, I want to take a step back and, and talk about you guys individually. Sure. Thanks, Ricky, for having us on today. We're looking forward to, to spending some time with you and, um, yeah, so I got in the industry probably about 15, 16 years ago. Um, it was really uh, uh, out of necessity to take care of my parents. My dad uh, got real sick uh, during that time frame and uh, just needed uh, another source of income and uh, really started exploring the cleaning industry. I thought this might be a good thing to look into. And um, during the process of doing some exploring, uh, I came across a an older couple who was ready to sell their business. It was probably at the time about 20 employees and I think probably did about 250, 300 in revenue. And uh, they asked if I wanted to purchase. And um, I said, you know, I think I think I would like to do that. And uh, uh, so we purchased the company uh, back in 07. And uh, we uh, probably like many of your viewers, we landed around that million, million two mark and just could not get over it for the longest time, probably about four or five years. And um, and we really started focusing on what is it going to take to get over that um, and through just some different things I'm sure we'll get into later. Uh, we, we were able to um, um, bust through that million, million two mark um, and then things just really started exploding for us. And uh, probably, probably, I guess probably what, two years ago, guys, we uh, uh, had uh, just a, a little bit of interaction with each other and um, then the process began of talking um, really just about cultivating our area and creating healthy janitorial companies for people to lean on. Um, it it, our first conversation, I don't believe, was really about merging. I think it was more about um, just, man, this is, you know, this is, uh, let's really make it happen in our area and have some good quality companies that people can lean on. So, so yeah, so I've, I've been in the industry about 16 years and, um, you know, through Mastermind Group and uh, BSCAI, I just really started making relationships and learned a lot about the business quickly um, by joining those entities. And they helped us to understand how to run our organization in a way that um, uh, that wasn't a mom and pop organization, that um, was a legitimate business. Um, and getting over the hurdles uh, over those 16 years um, those two entities helped us tremendously. So, so yeah, I, I, I love the industry. I'm super glad to be a part of it. Um, and it's been a real, real blessing to, to me and my family and our company for sure. So. Nice. So you, so see, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know that part of it either is that you actually got into the space by, by yeah. purchasing. Yeah. Yeah. We purchased, uh, so that's one thing I learned. Um, uh, there's that adage of buy low, sell high. And I bought high and, <laughs> uh, but it was okay. It was a blessing to them, and uh, I didn't know anything about it at you know my first time in, and so 
Um, but yeah, it worked out well. Uh, the, the business, when we first purchased it, um, it was a small, like I said, a real small mom and pop company, but um, it was operating fairly well. It had probably, probably about 10 really good customers um, and they did everything from cleaning to maintenance to, you know, hey, somebody left the door unlocked on my team. Can you go by and lock the door? Um, and so, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. A simple and, task. You, yeah. It made us very valuable to that customer. And most of those customers are still with us today. So, it's like you, you got to think you're, you are mission critical because you can open that door <laughs> after <Yeah>. hours. <laughs> for sure. Cool. Well, Jerry, that's. And that's for, for people to realize that too. It's like, you, so you didn't buy a franchise, right? Where I feel like buying a franchise, you got that support system of you're not in it alone. I mean, you really went in on in it yeah. alone. I mean, buying, not, not the same one, but uh, you didn't buy a framework. You you bought an existing yeah. business that you, for all people, I, they didn't, they may not have had everything in, in yeah. process or set up for you to yeah. succeed. Yeah, it was, so it was a risk. risk. It, it being a, a a privately owned organization and it wasn't, you know, a franchise or anything of that nature. Um, it was just two really good people who just did good business in their community. Um, and they were, you know, they weren't the best, uh, business owners. They would always tell me, but they were good to their people and they were good to their customers. And, and so, um, we tried to take that, uh, customer service element. And that's the one thing we built off of. Um, that, that was basically, yeah. that's what I decided when I first bought. I said, okay, I'm, I'm going to build off of this customer service, um, that they have, that they've created in the community. So. Okay. All right. Now, Blake, over to you, my man is hot, you know, so you guys are from the same area. So I, I, Really quick, though, I appreciate and I like that you guys approached this from a community aspect of, you know, you guys are trying to, if I heard you right, too, is you're, you were empowering other, you were trying to empower other janitorial companies to really what, do good business, right? And and raise that level of, of quality and standards for that area that you guys are from. Uh, and look what came out of it, right? There's a conversation that you got led to where we're at and talking about today. So it's like, you know, so, okay, that's new to me that you guys didn't even go at it thinking right from day one that this is something you wanted to do. It really ended up cultivating and just coming about itself. Yeah. So um, a couple of years ago, I just kept seeing Jerry's vans around town and they just looked really legit. Yeah. The competition. I started, the competition. I started looking at his website. <laughs> I'm like, man, this guy looks legit. Like he's, he seems like he knows what he's doing. And, um, you know, I just kept watching them. We'd already bought two companies before in the history of our company. And um, I just kept, you, you always like want to know about your competition. So I just kept watching them. And um, Corey and I have a business mentor that, that we meet with. And uh, I was telling him about it. And he's like, wait a minute. I know that guy. He's like, I used to flip houses with him back in the day. They call like, oh, you. <laughs> so it was a mutual friend that, that introduced uh, Jerry and us and, um, First time we met, we got together for lunch and just talked about our companies and the industry. And um, we just kind of hit it off and uh, struck up a friendship. And over the course of the next two years, like, you know, we're able to help each other a lot, like especially during COVID when we didn't really know what was going on or how we were going to make it to the next day. Uh, you know, we were able to give each other a lot of real time advice and, you know, just really kind of lean on one another um, as kind of, yeah, we were competitors, but we were, you know, just like one another. Our companies were similar sizes. Uh, we had very similar cultures. It became more apparent the better we got to know each other. Um, and we just kind of became friends over that time and really um, gained a mutual respect for one another. Um, and so I think, you know, Jerry had the, uh, the most popular session uh, at the BSCAI conference, he taught a, a session on, um, on culture. And, uh, I think that, you know, we can get more into that, but that's been the number one thing that has made our two companies coming together go so well is that our cultures were so similar. And, uh, and it, he did such a great job on culture, uh, that it made it very easy for us to come in and uh, merge our culture with theirs, you know? Awesome, man. That's awesome. So you guys, if you guys are watching this too, uh, 
you know, Blake's got a secret weapon sitting next to him too that we'll talk about in, in, in due time here. Uh, but Blake, real quick, like, let's also talk about your journey to where you got to, right? Where, uh, so it's On Point Building Services, that original name of the original company? Yeah. So, so I originally name? out of college okay. was a commercial real estate broker with CBRE. I leased and sold warehouse spaces and uh, office spaces. And, uh, you know, probably a lot of people watching do work for CBRE on the property management side. And uh, and so anyways, uh, I got tired of starting every January from scratch uh, and not having any ownership in any of the buildings or uh, any recurring revenue. And I had friends that owned businesses and specifically service businesses, landscaping, janitorial, they were doing really well well with it. And um, I had a friend uh, in Florida that basically taught me the business. And so I created a brand and um, looked for a company to buy. So I didn't have to I, I quit my job uh, with, with no income. And uh, an old friend used to always say, uh, ride two horses with one ass until you fall off one of them as long as you can, you know? <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> And that was that was kind of uh, the strategy is, um, you know, find a company that I could basically buy and roll under the brand that I had created. And so I had the company made, the website made, everything ready to launch. But I, I wanted to start with some contracts. So I wouldn't start from scratch. And uh, I knew Corey from from church. And, uh, and you know, he was a business broker uh, and, and had run multiple businesses before that. And uh, he and his wife were working at this janitorial company and figured they wanted to get back. I'll let him talk about that, but they wanted to get back into business ownership and uh, we ended up doing it together. Good, that's awesome. So, so I, again, stuff I did not know. So both of you guys entered into the space, acquiring a business. And I like how you put it, uh, Blake, because I feel like that is how people probably look at it too, where it's, I'm, I'm, you're buying your salary, right? You're buying your income. If you're, Especially if it's those people that, you know, that you're making a good amount of money in your full-time career, but it's just not enough and it's not, you're not passionate about it. So definitely the ideal situation is, you know, you, know, you don't want to buy your happiness, but like, you know, be passionate about what you're doing. And the fact that both of you guys went out and both of you took risk uh, and look at where it brings you guys to where we're at today. Um, like, so I, didn't, I wasn't even going to touch on this, but let's touch on it for a quick second. Uh, is do you guys recommend, like knowing how you, knowing how it played out now, would you have started from scratch, or do you think the fact that you did buy an existing business did it get you to where you're at sooner and quicker versus the people that literally start with, uh, you know, because I, I hear it all the time. I have the people that Rick, I just got my first contract, just got my LLC, I just started the business. I feel like it's it's a tough first year for those people, right? Where if you buy an existing business. Uh, you got to leg up, I got to believe. So, I mean, what, what about you guys? Do you guys, do you, would you recommend that's how somebody gets into the space is what I want to say. I'll let Corey answer that. Uh, I would say yes. I, I mean, I'm a little partial to it, but um, yeah, it's, you just hit the nail on the head. It's a grind. It's so easy to go out of business when you don't have revenue and starting with one contract is, you know, you're one, you're one 30 day notice away from being out of business again. So, <laughs> Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a, it's a long grind to, to build up, you know, a base of accounts. I think it's a great way to do it. I think you can also overpay and end up in a, just as bad of a situation. So you gotta, you don't just want to wing it. I think you want to make sure you, you know, you make smart moves, but that's a, that's all relative, right? I mean, what's, what's something worth <clears throat> what someone's willing to pay and everybody's willing to pay different stuff. So it's, uh, and someone who's willing to work harder can, can figure things out a little bit quicker, maybe make it make more money quicker, and, and it it's a, it's a better deal yeah. for them. Now, what do you? All right, because I'm going to dig deep with Corey in, in, a, in a second here. But for for Blake and and, uh, and Jerry too is damn. I had a great question right now. Hold on, one second. As far as I, because I have a lot of people that will say, Rick, I, I respect the grind. I respect the hustle. I respect starting from scratch, building something, right? To those that say, well, oh, you know, you guys, you know, you, you really, you're you're building something off of the hard work and grit from somebody else. Um, is that, do you think that's, is that, 
just opinion based, you think? I mean, because I feel like it's still gritty. You, you still have to hustle. You still have to grind. You still have to establish your feeling and point and, and culture on this business that you just took over. If anything, I would say it's even harder if you do have employees. Like, it's almost like you have to change the mindset, yeah. right? Like, what would you say to the people that say, I started from account one versus you guys? Because I'm, I'm in the same boat, right? I, acquired, I bought a franchise myself and I would do it 10 times over that way. It's fine. Buying into an industry, right? But what, let's talk about the grit and hustle that those people may have a chip on their shoulder that they started from scratch. Well, I think, I mean, the bottom line is, Ricky, we're in the people business. So it doesn't matter whether you started from scratch um, or you bought into it. You still have to manage people and you still have to build relationships. As much as we um, have been very fortunate, knock on wood in the first three or four months here, um, you know, Blake and Corey, it's incumbent upon them to start building relationships with employees um, and with customers that were on our team um, and now have become part of the On Point family. Um, that's important. And so um, I think whether you, you know, th there might be a, just a different mindset if you start, you know, from the, the grind, so to speak, um, but it's all a grind. It doesn't matter. This is a service business. And, yeah, and when you're, when you're dealing with people, um, that's your greatest asset and your greatest liability. And so you, you've got a lot of work on both sides of the, what, no matter where you come from or how you've uh, gotten into this industry, um, the grind is there. It's just a different type. Um, but I mean, the bottom line is, is you've got to work hard on building relationships across the board. Um, the three of us, you know, we met two, two and a half years ago. Um, and it started at lunch and I knew right away, I'm like, these are the kind of guys I want to hang out with. Number one, they're way younger than me. So they make me look cool and hip, <laughs> you know? Um, but at the same time, you know, there was good mentoring going on between all three of us, not me to them and just them to me. It was, you know, all three of us were learning from each other. Like Blake said, you know, going through COVID, that whole battle of every day, just waking up and going, okay, I wonder what today looks like. So I, I think, I think, yeah. you, you know, number one, you can't be in this business if you don't have some sort of chip on your shoulder to begin with, um, to push and work hard. Yeah. Um, it's not an easy industry, but it's a rewarding industry. The thing I love about the industry the most is it's uh, sustainable um, and, and very stable. Um, our blips, our blips oh, are man, not very big, tough. right? I mean, um, and like you said, yeah. like Corey mentioned earlier, that you know, you're 30 days away, no matter how you look at it. Um, so it becomes about building relationships and solving your customers' problems quickly for them. Um, get off their radar, get stuff off their radar for them as well. And, uh, and I think that's, that's what makes our two companies blend so well. We both have that mindset. We still have it. Um, and that's, that's what allowed us to come together and go, hey, I think this is going to work um, because our mindset is um, – customer centric and employee centric it's we're very much want to take care of yeah. both sides of that that family so well think about i mean you know it's the common saying right two heads is better than one three heads is better than two like it's just we're we're in a world where the word co you know collaboration mm -hmm. is in the forefront like that people that collaborate yeah. win. I, and i would say right? to somebody there's nothing more yeah better I, than, I would i would say to somebody who's either contemplating or or you know, might not be able to move over that million dollar mark. You just may be at your capacity. Um, find somebody else that you can partner with. Cause I don't know about Blake and Corey, but I know that's, I, I felt like I was probably getting to my capacity. Um, and we started hiring in the right people and our business started booming and growing. Um, and then when the three of us got together, we realized, man, the, the assets that we have in people, um, plus what we knew collectively between the three of us, um, it, it's allowed us to, it's positioned us to be a, a potentially large, a pretty large company um, in the near future. So, Yeah. And think about it, you guys. I mean, Corey, you know, we'll, we'll start jamming on some on some, some, some uh, statistics of the industry, right? Is, you know, 90%, even more, I think now is they're up operating under a million in revenue. Right. So you're talking about the ultimate mom and pop industry is the cleaning industry, but not to say there isn't the billion dollar giants out there and the hundred million dollar in revenue companies as well. 
You know, that's only like the top, you know, two, two or 1% are operating at that revenue. The only way we get there is by working together, is by teaming up, is by doing joint ventures, is by sharing opportunities with between us versus allowing the bigger guys to just keep winning and taking all that business, which you guys all know, it's going to come back to us anyways, because they're going to subcontract, right? So I love your approach. I love what you guys just, you know, again, there's going to be so many more questions that we won't get an opportunity to talk about. So at the end too, if you guys don't mind, I will share LinkedIn profiles, the website, any way for anybody to get a hold of you. Cause I got to have a feeling a lot of people are going to have questions on this because um, even me, right? I, I think about it. I did my first acquisition. It wasn't a, a, a cleaning company related, right? It was in the industry, but different. But I'm fascinated by if you have your, and Corey, I'll direct some of these questions to you, right? Is if you, if you are prepped your company, if you're prepped either as the buyer or the seller, it makes things very possible, right? It makes things easier for people to be, to sell to you or for you to buy somebody. Uh, so, I mean, Corey, before we get into that, I didn't give you a chance to talk yeah, about your job. I don't feel slighted. I know Blake touched on it before. I didn't even realize you owned a janitorial company as well, but I know you guys are friends, but like how, how did the, the world of entrepreneurship, you know, uh, how did that become an itch? Yeah, I, I grew up with it. My dad um, has a business, still has a business partner, works for himself. So I was around it all the time. Blake, same deal. His dad had a business partner and um, owned his own business. So we both just kind of, grew up with that entrepreneurial itch that needed to be scratched. And um, I graduated from William & Mary and kind of went straight into to working for myself. I owned a garden center and a couple of um, small uh, self-serve frozen yogurt businesses and um, had bought and sold different things through the first three or four years of marriage right out of, right out of college. Um, and my wife's from Virginia Beach. So we ended up back here and her father-in-law does business valuation. So we started a, you know, a small M&A company helping people buy and sell. I'd done it a bunch. He had, he had done some of it as well and, and valued companies all the time. And this, this deal that, you know, kind of got us into the business came across the desk and, um, couldn't quit thinking about it. And, uh, yeah. So Blake and I ended up getting connected through church and, and a mutual, uh, friend at the time. And we, we bought this thing um, and it was about the same size as what Jerry's, you know, first acquisition was, you know, around three, 350,000 in revenue. And we uh, lost half of it. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> it was, uh, we had it, we were essentially a sub to a, you know, to a vendor and um, they lost it. So we lost it. Um, so we, yep. you know, we started off small enough. I feel like if you're under half a million bucks, you're, you're starting off pretty small. You're grinding. The first half a million in revenue yeah. is a grind. Um, and yeah, so we, we kind of grew it back to where it was. And then, uh, um, down to like what, 12 or 15,000 a month when we, after we lost that. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, no, it's right. almost started from scratch. Yeah. I got that. So, we we yeah. lost about 15 grand a month right out of the gate. Um, so no fault of our own. They just pulled Ooh. it. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And then we got a couple of big contracts actually with CBRE at the time. Um, and just started chipping away at it. Um, got up to around 750,000 in revenue. And that's when we made our second acquisition. And I, and I think to kind of touch on one of the points that you made, it's, it's so interesting to like, what's a good fit? How do you position yourself? I think most companies that are for sale and a lot of them, like you said, under a million in revenue, um, they have a customer makeup that just isn't as desirable. And it's that, that makes it, the hardest they've probably got three or four accounts where you're like man i'd really like to have that but i've probably got to pay for the whole thing or i've got to take the whole thing and how do i how do i get over this headache stuff and and just to get the good stuff and so yeah so corey let's actually this is a perfect segue into you know, i didn't want to get too technical but i think us laying out the foundation uh even more so you guys than, than me here is you know Talking about like what's what's a good fit, what are key indicators of a good business, what are red flags you touched on, which we can just dive right into this one, right? Is I had the assumption, or I feel like people buy the, your clientele more so than your company when you're being looked at to be acquired, especially in our space, I think. Am I am I accurate with that as far as 
are, you know, would you guys say you're, you know, well, you just said, you know, three or four accounts are the only good ones out of the whole, you know, a hundred of them. But is that a tactic as far as if you know it's a niche or a category that you want to get into or like, is that one of the indicators that you use to measure whether a company is- Yeah, I mean, for us, yeah, I would say with us, the the benefits of, of our deal with Jerry is we got a great base of employees. We had very little customer uh, overlap. Um, they were in markets that we weren't in further out in we're Southeast Virginia, but they were down into North Carolina up past um, on the peninsula past, uh, we call it the peninsula up past Williamsburg. Um, so it, geographically it helped us have a bigger footprint, which allows us to grow more within that footprint through sales. Um, they have a much heavier fo- focus on medical, um, which we had some, but again, like in churches, Gets you into, you know, market segments. Schools. Um, so, yeah, I think the employee component, the customer base, like all of the market segments, there's tons of different reasons to do it. Yeah, ours, us and Jerry were very complimentary as far as our customer bases. We didn't have a lot of, of overlap in, in serving the same customers. And uh, the first two acquisitions were a lot different than this one. Uh, the, 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 the second one that he's talking about when we were about 750 in revenue and we bought another company that was about 750 in revenue and doubled in size, they did have a couple major accounts that we wanted that made the whole thing worth it to us. And um, some of the managers from that acquisition back in March of 2017 and most important contracts are still with us. And a lot of those customers, you've, you've seen it, like they're not switching. They love their vendor. They love their people. Those people show up every night. Like they're, you're either buying them or you're going to go find somewhere else to, to sell to someone else to sell. Some to. of the same frontline cleaners that came on with us from that acquisition are still cleaning those buildings. Yeah. So that was going to be my next, the, the next point is, so we're talking, we said, we said clientele, uh, you guys touched on employees, but like, obviously the word culture is going to come hand in hand with this, the employee base too. Like our, so you're, you're essentially buying new employees, right? That they're going to have to buy into your culture, your vision, uh, and you guys already have said it, like Jerry's culture just was exactly what you guys had had in mind and what you guys are trying to practice yourself. That's Is that another important piece? But should people be looking at, are, do you get the opportunity to speak to potential sellers, employees and get an inside look? Or is that a risk you're taking because you, you don't get to look behind the scenes like that when you're in, in this process? Because kind of like dating. <laughs> I mean, you kind of, you're getting to know them. And when you get to know somebody, you kind of get to know them as a person. And it kind of, you can kind of tell, like, is this kind of person, like Jerry said, kind of person I want to hang out with. Um, and then from there, you can go, well, like, well, is this the type of person that would run a business the way that I'd want to run a business? Or, you know, and as you get to know them better and you start digging into their, the way they run their business and the way that their people are, and, um, you can kind of get a picture of, how different their culture is than yours. And, 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 uh, the first two acquisitions, their cultures were a little bit more different, but they were smaller and it didn't matter as much. Um, you know, with, with this, it it was way more important because we had like a lot more office team, office people on both sides that are coming together and have to work together every day. Um, as far as like frontline cleaners out in the field, like, a lot of their frontline cleaners and our frontline cleaners still don't know each other because they all go to different buildings. So, yeah, but that's true. So it's more like the office team. And then the field manager, and the field managers come in multiple times or every day, they, they have to become a team and they have to be able to work together and have, you know, a common goal. And um, so the, the, that's the most important thing that has to mesh. I think one of the questions we asked of each other when we started the process was, it goes back to Ricky, the, the good to great, you know, are these good people? Are they great people? I think we started identifying who our great people were um, and to determine whether this is, I mean, is that fair guys to determine if this would work and more so on the office and management level. Um, and, and, you know, you kind of, you kind of want to sell your, you know, when you're on the selling side, you're kind of trying to say, Hey, these are great people but it's relative because my opinion of great might be different than their opinion of great. Um, 
but in yeah. general, you know, you, you, you try to find balance between undersell and oversell on those people, but that's really where the rubber meets the road is once those people all get together and we saw and, and experienced and watched them function well together, we, the three of us kind of took a collective, you know, like, like, I think this is going to work. These people really work well together. Um, and so, and that's part of developing the culture. It's so important. We, and we talk about it all the time, you know, if you're in that million, million, two, million, three, and you're trying to get over that next plateau at some point, And I say this to guys that I'm mentoring or guys that are in my peer group that are in that range, you have to get out of working in the business and work on the business. Um, because when you have the opportunity that like this, it approaches, if you're in the business working it then you become an asset that that is hard to work through, right? Um, you know, if, if, if it's hard. If, if I was in the business heavy, heavy, heavy on a day-to-day basis running things, it would have made this deal a lot harder to happen because how do we replace what Jerry's doing? Now, saying that two years ago when this process started, I was. I was heavy in it. But I was realizing and learning, okay, as as I get older, I can only do so much physically. Um, but I need to replace myself in the operations side, replace myself in the sales side. And so you start looking for those great people. And uh, when this opportunity comes along like this, and you began, the three of us began to sit down and we compared our people and who could do what and how, how would they all work together. That's really where it happened, Ricky, is that group of core people in the management, supervision, and the office team. Um, that, that's why this thing has gone so far. In, in my opinion, I think these guys have the same opinion uh, tremendously well. And it's because those those people like are the key components to the success of any merger acquisition. Because, it, listen, if, 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 you know, if, if they were a $50 million company, it's and coming in and buying, you know, my three million dollar, four million dollar company. It's still the same principle. It still comes down to who those people that work together on a day to day basis are, are they are they going to function well together? I think it is. A- yeah, because I I feel like you guys let me know. You know, I mean, you guys actually could probably speak to this right now as we speak. Is uh, I got to believe a lot of people from the outside looking in, not knowing how mergers and acquisitions happen, right? As small business owners, many of us don't know how this how this works is you might get the idea that, oh, you know, Blake, Blake and Corey are buying Jerry's, Jerry's company uh, and they're going to let go of half the people. Why? Because it's, you know, going to increase their their bottom line and this and that. And, uh, you know, they have an existing infrastructure. They don't need it. Uh, so it's scary, right? Like I know for me, right? I've turned down, I'm at like 50 offers already just this year where I'm scared to say, this is my family, right? Like this is my family business that I don't know what it would ha- what happen in other people's hands. Um, can you shed some light on how, you know, is, is that very inaccurate? Or I guess it depends on who's the buyer, right? But in our world, right? Commercial cleaning, small business, medium-sized buying a small, small buying a small. How, what would you guys say uh, people should, should be more open well, to? I mean, I think our biggest... Our biggest concern all along, and, and I know me and Blake and Corey, we sat at the table, eat lunch many times, and we all wanted to act like we knew what we were doing and we could make it happen. But all of us still had that angst of, who is this going to, is this going to work well? But um, the, the people that were involved, our biggest concern on our side of the table was, are the people going to be taken care of and, and, and in place? And I think, you know, I'll let Corey and Blake speak to it, but um, this wouldn't have happened if they couldn't keep the people that were already in place. And so, and listen, Ricky, I understand your your position too. I have a couple of family members that work in the business here, and it's just because their their degree and their their profession uh, fit our company. It, you know, I didn't hire them because they were you know my sister in law or whatever it was. They they were. Yeah. It doesn't matter about the last name. The right. resume and so, the position. Um, so we had to, you know, I had to get over that hurdle a little bit. But my trust was in Corey and Blake um, that, um, that that belief that uh, these guys are going to do what they say. And that just comes with spending time. Listen, the first time, they'll tell you, the first time they offered, um, I said, no, I wasn't ready. Um, and it was more because I was worried about, well, what about these people that we've brought in and that we've really yeah. committed to? 
and that takes time. You're going to have to spend time with these, you know, with folks and, um, and, and, and make sure that they are the fit, you know? So but Corey, go ahead. You, you were getting ready to say something. I apologize. I jumped in on you. Um, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it's just the trust piece. You, you have to build trust. There's no short circuit for that. You gotta, you just gotta put in the time. You hit the nail on the head. Would you guys say, Corey and Blake, would you guys say that a good metric or measure of a good company to purchase is what, like Jerry just said, is it's an owner that is working and being a creative and an innovator and a visionary for the business versus knee-deep into operations, day-to-day, mission-critical component of the organization. If they're gone, shit hits the fan. Like, I mean, because, Jerry, you touched on it. I think that's actually a good point to touch on is I know hearing that, that's actually something I would probably be looking at then is buying a company that ownership is not in the picture day-to-day. I mean, it's kind of both because a lot of those visionaries don't make money. (laughs) (laughs) Not much worth buying if there's some more ideas are still up in the club. That's true. That is so true. Corey's the Corey's the straight shooter in this bunch, man. He's a straight shooter. Hey, you need that. You need that. You need the guy that says no. I've got I've got a couple of those, and uh, you're not afraid to say no. I think I think you've got a great point, Jerry. I mean, you got to have people that are looking up and out. If there's no direction, like where there's no vision, people will perish. and same thing from a profitability standpoint. Most of the time, what you're buying is a stream of cash flows to then pay for what you're buying. Um, and that, if, if it's not profitable, then don't waste your time unless there's a way to make it profitable. Yeah, that, that's a very, a very uh, simple breakdown of mergers and acquisitions. More, the more cash flow, the more it's worth. The, the more spread out the uh, contracts and the, and the uh, customers are, the more it's worth. The lower the risk, the more it's worth. Yeah. Would you guys, so let's talk, um, any things, any, any points you guys want to, uh, make stand out as far as do's and don'ts. If anybody is listening and watching and they're like, you know, I'm at that, um, I'm at that point. I'm thinking about acquiring a company. I'm getting healthy. Like what are some just off the top of your head do's and don'ts when you're talking about, I'd say, you know, Jerry had a CPA as his controller. And his financials were very straightforward. And I feel like we've had acquisitions in the past where like there's a bunch of funny money going on where like like one one guy in particular like spent like fifteen or twenty thousand dollars on suits for a cleaning company. Like and, and uh it was just like not really all accounted for very well. And so, you know, when the seller is trying to tell you, oh, it's act there's actually a lot more cash there, you know. Um it's great when you're the owner of the business and you got, you got money going on, you know. Uh, but when you're trying to sell your company, it's not it's not good anymore. You you want your company to look profitable on your financials and not just like, oh, trust me, uh, there's a lot more cash there, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so actually, that brings me to the point. Like, I have heard this from people too, and you know, it's something that we're we're working on and very proud of getting to a point too where. You should actually, you know, even if you never think you're going to sell as a company, get prepared to as if you were going to sell or somebody was going to give you an offer, your financials uh, can speak well on your behalf. Because I, I got to, you know, when I first started, you guys, I was big on, uh, no, you know, you can't make too much money. You're going to get taxed. And no, this, you know, don't don't show all this. Like, it's like, yeah, that makes sense, I guess, at some point. But if you're actually an established business and you're growing and you credits and you're trying to buy property you your financials have to be strong like you you have to show profit you have to show you know uh, a strong EBITDA so now let's talk what if again 90% operating at under a million in revenue guys a lot of us don't have an accounting team a lot of us don't have a great CPA what are things or tools or resources that people can take advantage of as small business owners uh that you know aren't as costly that can start helping them start to get their financials in order if they're not a you know financial background heavy i think probably i think for me early on when i when i said that um i was in the same boat and i used to say you know i don't i don't have the money for a cpa or somebody come on board but um here's here's what uh 
um, Gerard told me this, you guys, and also another friend of ours, a mutual friend of ours. You can never, ever go wrong by having the best CPA and the best lawyer in business. Don't cut corners there. Whatever you do, don't cut corners there. Um, and, and I think that has helped us tremendously. Um, even when I didn't have anybody on board, um, you know, it, it just in, in, in the last year, we've hired a, a full-time CPA and now uh, part of the merger. Um, we would still spend quite a hefty penny making sure things were done correctly um, because there's two places you don't want to get in trouble at home and then with the IRS, you know, so uh, make sure you keep everybody happy in those two camps and a good, a good, Right. I can deal with my wife. Yeah. I can deal with. Yeah, you think IRS you can deal with her until you mess up. things up at home, right? <laughs> but I think I think that's important um, is making sure you do that. And listen, the, the, these guys, these two guys, are super sharp. They are. They're both very sharp. And and someday soon, somebody will come to them and say, "Hey, we're interested in buying On Point Building Services because we see what you're doing and we think it's going to be good." And they're preparing, you know, I don't know what their future holds, but they're doing things the right way um, because they know that inevitably that could happen. And so even at a million dollars, you should be running your business ethically well. You should be running it financially well, um, and you should be treating people well. And those things will be honored, and they'll, and they'll begin to work well. It's, if you start getting tricky with your finances, um, it's going to backfire on you and you're going to continue to, you're going to be fighting that for a long time. And so just run things really well um, and it, it'll make it attractive. And listen, when they came to me, the first thing I was worried about, I'm like, man, I hope this thing is profitable enough, you know, because I didn't know. I didn't know. <laughs> I mean, I knew it was running well I knew, and I knew we had money um, and we had capital to do things. But, you know, what does that mean? So and another point too, Ricky, I want to make that, um, uh, when you said do's and don'ts, um, I think it's important. And we grew really strong together um, by beating uh, as much of the dirt out of the, the, the pre-lawyer conversations of just trying to come up with as many um, thoughts and plans that we could do ahead of time. So when we went to lawyers, which are the necessary evils, there was a lot of information already on the table, and, and we, we tried to get our lawyers to work together on that. Um, but the three of us knew what we wanted and how we wanted things to happen. Um, and I think that's a big thing, um, you know, trying to prepare ahead of yeah, time. That, Jared, that's a great point. Yeah. It's almost like, uh, you know, I mean, this is, this is this just makes me think of things that we could actually, you know, I could pick your guys' yeah. brains about and, and collaborate with you guys on as far as, the framework just easy understandable digestible bullet point yeah. checklist. and we had the benefit of yeah all this hey, building my startup i paid way more than i needed to on lawyer fees and preparation mm -hmm. uh launching the wrong you know business entity when i shouldn't have like a lot of of things that if i would have just had a, a decent basic checklist on the how-to I would have saved myself a lot of money, right? And like you said, if we're going to really empower the industry, uh, there's there's probably playbooks and and some framework we could work on because uh, it's only going to help the yeah. bottom, right? Yeah. The bottom is going to raise up if it helps. Well, our, our, the three of us, we big. spent a lot of money on yeah. this deal with lawyers, but I think we saved ourselves some money too. But um, lawyer, I mean, they're going to charge you. They're going to charge you what they charge you. But the fact that Corey had the background he has and, and Blake's passion to you know, for this industry and to get things moving. We really worked hard on that as much as we could ahead of time. Um, but, uh, and, and you know, work through those things as much as you can before you jump into the lawyer side. Because we, I feel like, and these guys, I, I think, would say the same. We, we we cleared a lot of stuff up before we got heavy into it. We were able to say we've already made these decisions. And then lawyers get involved and they, they mark it all up like, did you? Did you really decide that or not? Yeah, we did. Yeah, a lot of the, the most important conversations happened over a lunch or a dinner uh, long before we got the attorneys involved. But I would say if you get somebody, who act, an attorney, if you're looking to do a deal that focuses on mergers and acquisitions, most of them will have a really good checklist that they'll give you for free. That you can use that checklist to start working on 
how you put together a deal so that when you bring a letter of intent to them to, you know, put, make a contract out of or a, a purchase agreement, you know, you've already answered a lot of the questions they're going to ask. They're going to ask you and you're going to save yourself a little bit of money that way. Yeah. I don't know if this is a do or a don't, but the, you're essentially combining money with emotion and friendship, at least friendship in our case, some sort of relationship. Usually there's some sort of ongoing relationship with the person um, after the fact that, that you're, you're buying from. And just that confluence of those three things, it's just really important to, to navigate those conversations of your emotions and the money components and the, you know, how are we going to continue to be friends and work together? Uh, just with, you know, with more honesty than is probably necessary, just be really upfront and direct. And, um, maybe that's a do, but I, I feel like it saved us a lot of headache by being, by being, for sure. you know, just really straightforward and, and acknowledging like we still have to be friends. We still have to, uh, to navigate this. Nobody wants hurt feelings. Nobody wants to feel like they got ripped off. So a lot going on. Yeah. But I mean, but at the end, yeah, it's like, it's, uh, it's yeah. still business though. And I got to tell you guys, it's a business. It's you know, this is a topic I've wanted to discuss for for a long time coming, just because I feel like we are we you know this industry is on the spotlight, right? We we've know COVID showed it, right? We've become we're known as recession and now pandemic proof. And I got to tell you, private equity is their eyeballs are all over this industry right now. I know it personally because of what I've seen coming in. But that that's gotta. I mean, does that make you guys excited too? Like this. It's like the more we can build the business, grow these businesses together, scale it, make it more, uh, you know, it, just exciting all around, but from a financial aspect, culture aspect, uh, you know, tech forward aspect, we can build our own destinies here. If you think about it, right? Like we know what people, you know, we're good businessmen, right? You guys are you know, businesswomen, businessmen. Uh, and it sounds like you guys know what you're doing here. So, I know the end goal is to continue to big. I got you cool. Ricky, come on. I'm, uh, I'm now a broker for like these guys. They'll take $20 million today if you want to buy them. <laughs> no, come on. Maybe not. Maybe not. So it's like uh, this, is, uh, th th this should be uh, spoken about more. You know, like just, again, just, uh, you know, what you guys did. And there's one thing I forgot to touch on because this has been sticking to me right now when you said Blake. A seven hundred fifty thousand dollar company buying a seven hundred fifty thousand dollar company. Until recently, I would have said that makes no sense. How is that possible? How can that company at seven fifty k in revenue, you know, one afford to buy another company equal in size? Number two, I, you know, how does it? How does that happen? Right. But I've learned more that it can. I mean, can you elaborate on? Because I, I, I got to believe a lot of people would think that's just not. How does a million dollar company buy a million dollar company with the constraints that were given by banking and institutions? I mean, was there, could you guys touch on that a little bit or, you know, Blake touch on that? Sure. Yeah. I mean, the first two acquisitions that we did were very different than this one. Um, the first one that was very small uh, was a, a husband and a wife that were young. They built this business and they wanted to move out of the area. They wanted, they wanted to move actually to Chicago and be close to a family and, and get out of the industry. And so um, they ended up structuring a deal that was very favorable to us and very fair. And uh, it wasn't extremely expensive. I mean, relative to the size of the business. And, uh, and then the second one was kind of the same thing where um, it was a cleaning company that was a division of a construction company. And they used to be a lot bigger. They lost some contracts and the, 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 uh, the, the cleaning division was probably taking their focus off the golden goose, which was the construction. That was their, their real thing that was big and they were well known for. And they were kind of sick of it. And so they wanted to walk away. And so I'd say those are totally different situations than like somebody like Jerry, who's built a company and built it and built it over many years and has long-standing relationships yeah. and really, really good employees from top to bottom and very profitable. Um, you know, the, the price difference, rel you know, percentage-wise between those two type things are completely different animals. And so... So, so 
fair to say it's situational based. Really right? like it, it is like if it's a fire sale, it's a fire sale. If it's yeah. you know hard if, yeah, if, if a company's not making it's... money, you might be able to come in and like figure they, they might not just know what they were doing. You can buy it for almost nothing if they're not making money. They want to get out, you know. Um, and so um, you can some sometimes situations like that, you can change a few things and go from. Uh, you know, like in one, one particular instance, they were using paper timekeeping and everybody was writing four hours a night and working three hours a night. And I mean, we're talking, and they had, anybody doing paper timekeeping? Yeah, and they had probably 27 people in a building that they needed 17, all of them uh, paying four hours a night when they need, when they're working three. And, uh, you know, yeah. night one, it became profitable. <laughs> so, and then, so, I mean, this, this jumps into a different topic too. So we got probably like another 10 minutes here too, guys, too. I don't, you know, like I said, I don't like to keep it going for too long, but there's so much juicy stuff we can talk about. But look, look, I wanted to touch on like almost like your scenario. It's only what, three, four months in, I think right now, right? Are you guys? October 1st uh, how long was the uh, first day. Okay, so there, I feel like people also have to think about like when you're when you're thinking about acquiring a company or merging companies together with somebody, think about the, the compliments that that company is going to give you, and think about the, the the personnel. Right, everybody's struggling with staffing right now. Everybody, you know, I know I joke around with friends too, but it's like, man, you got a rock star management team, or you got, you know, a couple of these employees are awesome and. It's like that's what you actually could unite with a merger too. Is you could the the, the benefits or the the shining points that these type of companies have that you're purchasing or thinking about acquiring make you as a company that much better. So it's not we should, we can't have people shouldn't always think about I'm going to acquire that company and just do it my way, take it over. Do it's like if you actually work together or use the assets the right way. I mean you could build something pretty outstanding, yeah, right? And for like, sure. I mean, that was more that was one of the highlights of, of merging our teams is we knew that there were definitely going to be some things that we were doing better than Davis and, and vice versa. We had no, no question that there were a lot of best practices that just neither of us knew what the other was doing and it was it was going to come out uh, come out better in the end. I think you, you also – back to like the type of customer or the type of company that you're looking to buy. There's, there's some that, you know, if you're five plus million and you're looking at a million dollar company, you can just gobble them up and shove your processes and procedures down their throat and take, if, take anything that's good and, and move on. I think if it's, it's when it's kind of a merger of equals, like what we had with, you know, with Jerry, it's, um, it's a little bit more of a dance because they have a ton of office staff that are used to do You know, that core team that you, that you mentioned, they have their way of doing things. We have our way of doing things. So it's, it's gotta be a lot more slowly implemented and, and it's gotta be more methodical. So, um, there, there's a lot of benefits. There's a lot of struggle when you're dealing with that many people and that many relationships. And, um, they're already in some sort of, turmoil that their job is changing and they're, you know, they've got that job security thing yeah. going on and now you're asking me to change the process. So it's like, you got to take the right steps yeah. and be, and be it's, careful. But I feel like that's what leads to that's culture right. too, again, right guys? Like I feel like the word culture is, it's gotta be one of the top three things that when, you know, how an acquisition can go well or how a company could be more appealing is the culture. Cause if they're in it for the right reasons, your, your team is bought in, what do we all say at the end of the day? If it's better for the company, it, yeah. that's it, right? Like if, if this is for the better of the company, then everybody has mm -hmm. to respect that decision. I think, and everybody I think one it. thing that and we use this term kind of vaguely up front, but it's happening more and more, like Corey said, is, you know, you come in and, and everybody's worried about their job immediately. That's the first worry that everybody has. Um, mm -hmm. But we started with, the, the, we started with this word called blending. We want to blend um, our processes, our people, and what they're good at, what we were good at. And we want to blend that over time. And um, I think, yeah, I, I like think, that. I think yeah. you know, all three of us championing that. Because blend yeah, doesn't change. Just, blend yeah, doesn't that, change. That's something we said, hey, we're going we're gonna to run you know, on rails, uh, just like we're going to keep doing like we were doing. And as we see that we can blend certain things, we'll start doing that together. 
over time. And I think, you know, even now, I think that's happened quicker than we even thought. We were looking at six months to go, hey, okay, what what things can we blend? But it, it happens organically on a day-to-day basis. Uh, let's, let's, hey, Davis was doing this, let's do that. Or On Point was doing this, let's do that. And, and we're empowering the people that are in those great people that are in those positions to do it. That's what, you know, Corey and Blake are so good at is just saying, yeah, let's go for it. Let's do it this way. And then the team puts those processes. Yeah. So it's the blending of those two companies. The culture was already there. We, we, we just determined up front that this won't work if the cultures aren't the same. So we knew, we knew yeah. out a year out that our companies were, you know, were, were functioning with the same culture. So it's the blending of those policies and procedures. Um, that's made this company really strong. I mean, this this we went from being two independently owned and operated companies to the largest locally owned janitor company in this region, and um, God, yeah, that's and, and possibly is, you saw yeah. that somewhere. I, saw, I think I saw Blake post that or you post that, Jerry. Like, man, yeah. that says something, right? For you to be able to say by us coming together, we have become the largest, you know, privately owned firm yeah. in a certain region. It is, that's and, and our customers, right. and our customers know that now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the yeah, customers yeah. know that, and they they realize, hey, this is this is a solid deal for them as well. Um, even the the big medical conglomerate that's here that you know we we've kind of cornered the market on, and like Corey said, we they weren't doing as much medical. Well, now On Point Building Services is, is the premier medical cleaning company in Hampton Roads. I mean, it's. Um, and that's, you, you know, we feel confident in saying that because it's true, right? You got to look at the amount of square footage compared to the minimal amount of complaints and the services that we offer. So, um, so those are, those are all things that you have to look at as you move down the road. You know, if, if you're going to look into doing this merger and acquisition of, of having that information ahead of time and, and being able to say, Hey, we feel like we can blend these two companies together to work well. So. There's, there's more than one way to skin okay. a cat for sure, but uh. I'd say also like in a case like this, there we felt like their leadership team was so awesome that um, it potentially lowered the risk profile of their company of of, of bringing two companies together. Um, because as you know, in our industry, most stuff is a thirty day out, and so it's not like you're getting all these like annual contracts that that you know you are guaranteed that you're going to have this revenue stream like right. you're you're betting on yourself Making not only to like have their customers like you too but also their employees like you too so we hired every single one of their employees and well, like we essentially offered them all the chance to come over and they all took it but like there's always the chance that they're like I don't like these guys screw this I'm out I'm going to do go do something else and so you, have, yeah. if you're on the buying side, you got to bet on yourself that you can, like, win all of their people over, because that's a risk too. That you can, like, maybe you call the contracts come over, but a couple of their key people say, "I don't like these guys," or "I don't like this new company," you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And everybody in their company loved Jerry, but like they didn't know Corey and I. And so Corey and I have had to spend the last three months, and and we're not done yet building relationships with, with all of them. And that takes time. You know, he's been doing it for years and years and years with these people. And we're going to have to continue to do that. But like what makes this thing work so well so far is that we haven't lost one important person or one person at all, really, uh, as far as like managers go, everybody, everybody has bought in and everybody. Yeah. That's got to speak to the success of the transition so far. Again, clients are important, but the team members, not you know, not one leaving, speaks to their commitment, right? And you guys, that this is this is gonna work. This is good. We're we're in a good place here. This is uh, because that's what would be scary, right? Especially is now they leave. <laughs> what did we miscommunicate? Yeah, especially with the amount of jobs that are easy to get. Yeah. 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 Cool. So, guys, I'm gonna. I have one more, or one more question, and then one more out to end the conversation. But again, we could keep going here, guys. But I think I would not do this conversation or topic justice if I didn't touch on this. For the everyday small business owner that is even thinking about going out to look for a company or selling their company, is I mean, is there any kind of standard to, let's use these numbers, for example. If, if I am a million-dollar business in revenue, 
what are the percentages of, you know, operating and labor and things like, is there a common standard to what would I be able to get for that million dollar in revenue business? Or should I not even be looking at top line and more and care more about profitability? Like, could you guys throw out some kind of numbers as far as if there's somebody listening saying, Hey, I have a million dollar business. What could I get for my business? I know, like you said, Corey, it's what someone's going to pay for, but standard like what's a good standard for yeah i feel like your cpa is probably going to tell you anywhere from two to four times uh free cash flow after someone is paid to run it so it's a million dollar business and the owner takes home say three hundred thousand including salary yeah including salary and they pay themselves they pay themselves a hundred just for round numbers then i would say on average it's worth 600. like but that's a i mean I've actually two to four is sexier than probably before COVID. It was probably one to two, right? Or even like, uh, well, and, those, and those multiples go up as the size of the company goes up. Yeah. yeah. You start, there's okay. um, EBITDA multipliers where you start to get into the, you know, much bigger range of like a two to $5 million range. You start getting into the uh, five to seven X. Um, but that's, so, so, so Blake, yes. Yeah, well, for somebody again, you know, layman's terms on, you know, because I, I hear that too, one x, two x, five x, right? We're not technology, so we can't get ten x. But what is, you know, when you say five x, what is the five x number? What is the multiple of? I know you said free cash flow, Corey, but could you guys dig, explain that a little bit more? I, like I what, would, what, what number should I would consider it net income? Um, but a lot of people, you know, are running things through their business that make net income lower. So um, you want normalized cash flows, which would be taking out interest, uh, interest expenses that the, the seller has, if they've got any loans or debt, um, depreciation or amortization, um, and then any taxes, because everyone's taxes are usually at a different rate. And then anything that they're using the business for that you would not use it for. Like if they put their vacations on the business or if they, you know, to Blake's point, the guy that bought his clothes to the business, you would add those things back and give you an under, to give you an understanding of what your free cash flow is annually and then multiply that out um, for the for a multiplier that, uh, or a multiple that you feel is, is reasonable for it. So that's why my brother's always calling me and texting me about my travel expenses. Yeah. And my restaurant Keep it as clean as you can. Even at listen, even at a million dollars, keep your business as clean as you can. Um, especially, I would I would say this anyway, but especially now, like you've mentioned, Ricky, and, and during this time, we're we're under the spotlight. And um, I, even while this was happening, and even since. I probably get three or four emails a day or phone calls about purchasing the company. And I'm telling people, you know, we've already done that. And yeah. Yeah. So the the key is keep really clean books, keep your personal personal, you know, if the, if the company's, if it's, if it's profitable and you're making money, take the money as, as your CPA tells you to take it, but keep it clean so that it's not as hard on people to go, well, do we add that back in or not? I, I feel like we did that, a pretty good job of that. Um, and and, and yeah. that way, that that even a score and that one, two, three, four times, five, six, whatever it turns out to be, is a lot easier to calculate because, you know, I'm sure if, if, if Corey and Blake saw a million dollar company that was the tight, that was a ditch in the business in this area that they wanted, um, they'd look at it and go, okay, we're going to jump on that pretty quickly. Um, but it, it's got to be clean. And so that my encouragement to the guys yeah. that are in that, you know, below the million dollars is um, keep everything as clean as you can work hard, you know, and, and continue to grind, but, but keep your books clean That that'll help you tremendously in the long run. And not to sound like a broken record, but if it's not clean, then it's just going to be worthless, right? If you're asking me to take on more risk, I'm going to offer less for that's great yeah. you know, and, and compensation for that risk. Yeah. Awesome. Well, guys, we've hit the end. But before we leave, any last minute things you guys want to share that we didn't get to touch on that you feel would be important to uh, leave the audience with? 
I'd love to just. I'd love speechless. to thank you. Love to speechless. Boom. I did my you, job. Uh, just want to thank you for all you do for our industry. I feel like this podcast and you know you're involved in so many ways in our industry and um, with our masterminds group and BSEAI and. I'm just grateful for the way that you bring people together in the industry and add a lot of value. So thank you for that. Yeah, it's been fun to watch your journey, you know, as well. And, um, and listen, I, my, my encouragement would be to, you know, anybody in the industry that's struggling or, you know, they're, they're, they're young in the industry or they're or new to it, or they're in that lower tier right now, keep fighting. Um, and listen, if there's people on your bus that are in the wrong seat, put them in the right seat. If they don't need to be on your bus, get them off the bus. Um, but keep fighting, working hard. This is a really, really, like you said earlier, it's it's a sustainable business. It's recession-proof. And like you said, now it's COVID-proof. Um, and it, it, just keep fighting hard uh, because it is worth it. Your goals for your family and your financial plans, um, they can happen in this industry pretty well if you just keep fighting hard. And if you go and you buy a company to get into this industry, don't expect that you're not going to grind. Yeah. Uh, both, both us and Jerry, you know, we bought small companies to get into the industry. We had some real grind years where we were, you know, doing the same thing that you used to do, you know, out doing floors and, you know, walking eight miles inside a building, inspecting everything at night and, you know, getting up at four in the morning and inspecting buildings because we couldn't fit it in the night before, you know. And, uh, and, you know, that 16, 18 hour days, we had multiple years of that kind of stuff, even though we bought a business to get started. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, guys, thank you so much. Yeah. I appreciate you guys taking totally the time. Totally honored. Totally honored. Uh, yeah, everybody, uh, like I said earlier in the middle of the, the episode I, on the YouTube side, you guys will see everybody's LinkedIn, uh, the company's websites, uh, their social media channels like, like Instagram and Facebook. If you guys have any questions for these guys, I'm sure they'll be open to answering. Uh, just please reach out. We're here to support. We're here to help. We're here to empower our space uh, because it's it's an industry that, as you guys can see with these guys, it's changed my life. It's changed their life. Uh, and I know it's changing many people's lives. So another episode of Cleaning Cocktails. Until next time, guys. Cheers. I forgot the cheers in the beginning. Again, I am the absolute worst. <laughs>